sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge and putting the fun and functional sports content. I'm Dean Martinez. As always, I got my man, Kevin Walsh, giving out winners from the basement. And, Kev, hopefully we will be giving out winners in the NFL season, giving you all the information that you need. But one thing we now know, we will have no games to follow, it looks like, until the regular season. Coming out yesterday as part of the kind of Back and forth, these negotiations, which we believe should have happened a long time ago. Kev, it seems like there will be no preseason action in this 2020 season. They're, you know, they're just not going to have the additional risk. We heard about no joint practices. Then we heard we were going down from four games to two. Then we heard a proposal that it would probably wind up being only one. We now realize that it looks like there's going to be no preseason games, at least this season. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling how quickly this moved, right? Yeah. Like, you think about baseball, we would, what, two days, at least a full 24 hours in between proposals. Like, you and I were on in the morning, and it was like they just offered him one game. And before we went to sleep, they offered him zero games. Like, and I think we talked about this a bit, but because I don't think they're expecting gates for these preseason games. Actually, it might right. be more cost effective to not even run the games as a whole. And if they don't want them, then now all of a sudden now, you know, you look like you're working in good faith. You're giving them something that they're looking for. You hope then that you could get something on the way back. So, yeah, I mean, we're not going to get preseason games. It's, you know, what does this do to the overall product, though? Like, was the preseason maybe more important than we gave it credit? It might have been. Okay, we do get, and it's, listen, here's the thing. Is it important for the stars? No, but is it important for those guys at the bottom of the roster who are fighting to make the cut? Absolutely. How are teams going to make cut downs now, right? They, you're going to do it only based on practices against your own guys. No joint practices, no preseason games. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how coaches evaluate their talent and wind up making these cuts. And also, here's the other thing. After cuts are made, these guys usually get signed on or latch on with other teams. Why? Because they've seen the tape of what they've done in preseason games and the like. Like, if Kev, you're an Eagles fan. I'm a Jets fan, right? Let's say you're really needy at weak side linebacker, and I cut to weak side linebackers. You don't know really what they've got. You don't know if there's somebody that you want to bring on to get a look at or take a chance with. I think this is absolutely going to matter. And Kevin, we've talked about this before. The places I think it matters most are where there are still quarterback decisions to be made. So in Miami, will Tua get out there real early? I don't know. With the Chargers, what does this do for Justin Herbert? And in Chicago, where I know you are riding a specific horse with his big Nick energy to come in, how do you think some of these quarterback battles play out when we don't have any preseason games? We heard Foles and Trubisky were going to share the snaps in preseason games. How do some of these competitions play out without the benefit of live bullets flying? I mean, that's the biggest question, right? Is that without those preseason games, what does that not only mean for teams that have quarterback battles, maybe teams that want 
to put in, you know, something that different from what they ran last year. Cam in New England, Tyrod uh, in LA. Without that kind of runway, Dane, it you know it begs the question: Will those teams be able to get off the ground quick? Yeah, I'm not sure, and that's definitely something we will still watch, but we will not have access to it, you know, as we usually do. And we welcome in now everybody from our radio audience. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the early line, hour number two, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. But, Kev, there is still so many other things to figure out here. And one, we've talked about it, is how will they share the pain? It all comes back to money, Kevin, right? We have heard, just like we heard in baseball, for the owners to put on these games and not receive the revenue from fans, Kev, they are actually losing money by putting on these games. We did the math in baseball. We showed that they were actually telling the truth. I kind of believe if you don't have the revenue from the gates happening, the same could be the case in the NFL. How they spread this out in the cap. Do they do it over the short term and take a huge hit immediately? Do they spread it out with the cap over the collective bargaining agreement? This is going to be something you got to keep an eye on. It was a problem in baseball. They didn't figure it out in a lot of other sports. Now in the NFL, they're going to have to figure it out. And time is ticking because last I checked, rookies are getting tested for coronavirus because they are reporting to camp today. Here's what's fascinating about all of this is that Everything would suggest they push the start of the season back. No preseason games. It's built into their schedule that they can just start week five, right? They can just skip the first four weeks of the season, flip them right. towards the back end of it. They can push uh, what they have to do, the, the Super Bowl back, um, where Tampa Bay plays. It's all built in. The fact that they're still negotiating protocols, like everything is su- suggests that nobody should be showing up to training camp. And yet, <laughs> here they are showing up to training camp. It's so bizarre yep. to me that everything there would be like, listen, we're going to hold off, okay? We're not ready to go yet. We don't have things figured out. I mean, the fact that they are able to find people who don't show up when there isn't even an agreement in place for right. their protocols, it, it is it is so poor. The fact that that is somehow ag- agreed upon, it's just, you have to think at some point in the near future, mm-hmm. they, they, they go, all right, we got to push some stuff back here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the walls are closing in. And we've been saying this for weeks, Kev. We thought they'd be able to read the blueprint. We thought they'd be able to kind of talk behind the scenes. It does not seem like that has happened. We keep up on this conversation when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, here on the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m., putting the fun and functional sports content. Kev, you're right. It's just bizarre, right? Because literally, 
We have people arriving to camp to get their testing, to get everything happening. And we don't know really what happens if they test positive. Will it be two negative tests? You know, will it be a 14 day isolation? There is the chance, Kev, right? As soon as drills start happening, there's the chance that someone gets hurt. That someone goes down and we don't know what the implications of all of this will be. There's a chance, right? I know we talked about the chance with the bubble and all that stuff, but there's a bigger chance because there is no bubble right now in the NFL, right? So there's a chance that a lot of things happen. It's just interesting to me that they are proceeding without the I's dotted and the T's crossed just yet. Yeah, it is a, um, man, Like that's one of the things, especially with the NFL, is there's always a couple of really big injuries that do come early on kind of yeah. during kind of during that you know ramp up process to the beginning of the season and just mm-hmm. the the unpredictability of it all is like it's going to be so difficult to manage and maybe baseball will provide us a bit of an idea as to what that looks like and it, i you know it's just it's so worrying man it, it really is yeah. like i just there's so much time that they had to figure out. There's there's really no excuse for them not to have these protocols in place. There really isn't. And I know mm-hmm. they most likely thought that the you know the country would be in a better place than right. where it is as you know they approach August. But I mean, listen, you could have looked at things on you know the Fourth of July and said, oh, let's, let's start talking. You know, like you didn't have to. Wait until they should have started talking right the NFL draft, you know, like they always should have been planning regardless. This should have just been actualizing the worst contingency because of the state of the virus in this country. Right. We've been talking about this like, hey, if it's like this, we'll do option A. If it's like this, we'll do option B. If it's like this, like where were they in the months of April, May and June? figuring this out if then you you put out a logic law before earlier in the show you know seeing that we'd all get paid how have they not planned for this kev you're right the virus is not where we thought it would be because we failed as a nation but you know they have to have had a contingency plan or have started to dot the i's and cross the t's on this the fact that these players can be out there with hashtag we want to play and a laundry list of unanswered questions is just a bad look yeah, it is. And, you know, again, like, May, fine. You didn't do it at the draft. Again, I get, like, I thought things would look different, right? Like, I, and they, if you were, if they, if they were a bit naive to it, I get it. But the fact that we were a week away from rookies having to show up and they're like, hey, you think we want to sort this out? What? Yeah. Come on, man. And I think one of the bigger questions that sits there for the NFL, right, is because they have so few games, right? that the revenue for each game is so important. Right. It does beg the question of, like, why wouldn't you just push it back regardless? Because, you know, okay, so you go off and you get those first four weeks underway, right? Okay, fine. But considering the fact that that sports window, like, there's going to be baseball now, there's going to be basketball. Now, the NFL is king. The NFL will dominate no matter what. But you don't have to put yourself up against that competition. And if you give yourself an extra month, Maybe you have fans for for eight weeks. Maybe that's possible. So, like, that's one of the things that's always been a little bit mystifying to me is the rush. There should be no rush for the NFL. None whatsoever. 
Yeah, absolutely. We talk about the state of the virus in this country, and that brings me to the next story I want to bounce off you very quickly. We did hear yesterday that at least in the tri-state area, right, in the state of New Jersey, Jets won't have fans this season. Giants won't have fans. They added like Rutgers if they play. In Jersey, there will not be fans. And we're hearing this again differently in different states, right? Kev, we're hearing in Texas, you may be able to have 50% fans, even though they're spiking. The Raiders talked about what they were going to have fans. I think now that these games will be happening in different regions of the country and different geographies, that adds a completely different aspect, especially us as sports investors. If a crowd is halfway capacity, a quarter of the way there, an empty stadium, I don't know how to treat the three points of home field advantage. And we're seeing in different states, they're now talking about potentially different capacities and different rules around fan attendance. And that's the biggest thing, is that it's not going to be uniform. It won't right? be consistent. And the fact that a place like, you know, where, you know, New York, New Jersey, things are better, you would think if there were going to be fans anywhere would be there, or like, listen, until further notice, no right. fans. And then I remember seeing, I think, you know, they're expecting 25% capacity where the Jaguars play. Like, what? What did I miss? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but that's the thing. But does that create a competitive imbalance? Like, I, now it's difficult, right? Because when it comes to the Jags, you're not going to all of a sudden be like, all right, listen, they're going to have twenty five percent of their fans. Like, let's start <laughs> backing them, right? But you know, what does that mean if you know one week you're home and it's empty, and then you travel the next week and it's fifty percent capacity? Because in the middle of the game, I don't think you're going to be like. Oh, you are all risking it. Like, you're just going to be, it's just going to be loud and it's going to be unsettling. And, like, it's going to be really, really weird, I think, to kind of see how even just the, the fans not being uniform plays out. Yeah. And here's the other thing for me, Kev, right? You, there's crowd noise and all that stuff. That's one thing, right? It also, you know, these players are considering if they want to participate or if they want to opt out. Right. Of this season because of their own risk tolerance. Right. And they are making personal decisions on if there is if, if they're OK with the level of risk that they're entering into. But the level of risk is different from state to state because of the way state, state governments, state officials are handling or treating the virus. Right, Kevin? Like, does, does that enter into the calculation as well? Maybe I'm a player, right? And I'm like, you know what? I like what New York is doing. That makes me feel safe. When I hear word, though, out of the state of Florida, right, that they're going to allow fans while they're spiking makes me feel less safe to travel to play the Bucks, to travel to play the Dolphins, to travel to play the Jaguars. Do you think that could factor into the player's mindset as well? Yes. Now, we will maybe see how that plays out when teams might travel to play the Marlins or the Rays. Sure. Um, so we might get a scope for that. But the opt-out thing that you mentioned is another big thing. And, I mean, we've talked about this, but what happens if it's a quarterback? Just pull a tweet. Yeah. From, At Danger Russ Wilson might matter a bit. Russell Wilson tweeted, I am concerned. My wife is pregnant at NFL. Oh, training camp is about to start, and there's still no clear plan on player health and family safety. We want to play football, but we also want to protect our loved ones. Hashtag we want to play. Now, Russell Wilson seems like the guy who's going to show up and play, right? But the one thing we've seen, right, is the the biggest reason for people opting out. Lives. <laughs> That's what it seems. So if Russell yeah. Wilson opts out, Hey, Dane, what's the win total lose? Five wins? Like, yeah. the 
Seahawks yeah. are now the worst team in their division. You've got to win second their choice division. for MVP in the National Football League, for goodness sakes. That's like Elena Deladon being out in the WNBA. Yeah, I'd say that moves the needle, Kevin. Yeah, I'd say so, right? <laughs> like, that I'd say so. So, yeah. and the thing is, now, is it going to be Russell Wilson? I'm not sure. I mean, the fact that in the same tweet, you know, he says, I want to play football. Now, now, that might well, just have to do with the hashtag. There. But, like, again, but, and that the thing is, the precedent is there for guys in Russell Wilson's shoes leaving, mm-hmm. opting out, or at least saying, I'll be back in a bit. And that's the thing. If, you know, Sierra goes into labor or whatever and Russell Wilson misses, you know, three, four weeks, that's the season. Like, that's the season. So that's a whole, like, that's a whole nother issue when it comes for the NFL is the fact that there are some players who are so important that you truly cannot survive without them. That it only yep. takes three opt-outs to change the entire outlook on an NFL season. Yeah, and I continue to say, Kev, position groups usually meet together, right? So we talk about the cumulative effect of Bledsoe and Coddington or Bradley and Rondo, right? What about the cumulative effect when your Philadelphia Eagles loses their right tackle and their right guard, the newly signed Jason Peters? You know what I mean? These things are interesting. When we come back, we'll talk about an entire country that didn't want to stomach the risk in Major League Baseball. But for now, we get updated on the news. Here's our boy, Dan Trafford. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As the NBA approaches a return to play, some big news out of Orlando. Zero out of 346 players have tested positive for COVID-19 since July 13th. Alex Len will be one of several Sacramento Kings sitting out Wednesday's scrimmage. Len recently recovered from COVID-19 and said that he felt the effects for over three weeks, which included a loss of smell and taste. In baseball, Angels manager Joe Madden said Monday that he's not certain Anthony Rendon will be ready for opening day. Rendon, who signed a seven-year, $245 million deal with the Angels this winter, remains bothered by lingering oblique tightness and soreness. Astros manager Dusty Baker noted Monday that Ryan Presley will, quote, probably open as the Astros' primary closer if Roberto Ozuna is not ready. Ozuna has yet to throw off a mound since arriving late to Astros' summer camp. The Athletics placed left-handed pitcher A.J. Puck on the 10-day injured list with a left shoulder strain. Chris Paddock has been confirmed as the Padres' opening day starter Friday versus the Diamondbacks. Brandon Belt will open the 2020 season on the injured list. Bell has been bothered by heel soreness for most of summer camp. And the Brewers placed left-handed pitcher Brett Anderson on the 10-day injured list with a blister on his left index finger. In the NFL, some major headway has been gained between the NFL and the NFLPA. The NFL on Monday made an offer to the Players Association to play no preseason games this summer. That's according to Adam Schefter of ESPN and multiple other reports. The players had been pushing not to play a preseason game this year, while the league had most recently 
originally been seeking to play two games instead of the usual four. The league's proposal to the players also includes an offer for a longer training camp acclimation period. That's according to ESPN's Dan Graziano, and that is much closer to what the union had been proposing. Free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown has retired from the NFL. Well, at least that's what we think his Twitter message said. It's the third time since September that Brown has announced his retirement. And the NFL Network's Ian Rampaport is reporting 49ers running back Raheem Monster spoke to a high-ranking member of the 49ers organization to, quote, clear the air and, quote, get on the same page moving forward. And the New York Jets have signed first-round pick tackle Mackay Becton to a four-year, fully guaranteed $18.75 million contract. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Thanks, Dan, for the news update. He mentioned the zero positive tests in the NBA, something definitely to be celebrated. But as we turn our attention, Kev, to Major League Baseball, I want to start here. You know, I see that the uh, Blue Jays have a game today against Boston. The AL East will be getting going early on in the schedule as the Yankees kick off opening night in a mere two days. But this Blue Jays-Red Sox game is happening at Fenway Park. The Red Sox are home. The question, though, Kev, is what will happen when the Blue Jays are home? You talk about kind of the risk averseness, right, of players going into different markets and where coronavirus may or may not be spiking. Well, Kev, the federal government of Canada did not want to take on the risk of having American baseball players coming on into the city of Toronto throughout the summer. They have denied the Blue Jays from being able to play their home games in Toronto. And so now, with only, what, five days left until the Blue Jays' first home game, or less than a week, only three days until opening day, the Blue Jays are kind of nomads without a home, Kev. We put up a poll question Where will they play their home games this season? So far, the options we're hearing are maybe Buffalo, right there by the border, another Major League Baseball park, uh, PNC in Pittsburgh, is on the table, their spring training facility down in Florida. It seems like all things are on the table. But, Kev, just like the NFL is trying to figure this out at the 11th hour, it seems that now because the country of Canada didn't want to take on the risk, And who can blame them? It looks like the Blue Jays got to figure this out with not a lot of time to spare. Yeah, and it's going to be very tricky for them to figure out. Um, There's a couple of options in play. But the thing that jumps out to me, more so than even kind of the options that are on the board, Dane, is what this means for those players and the time away from their families. Because, like, now it obviously depends, I guess, where their families are located and maybe – you know, the sprint that this season is set up to be, to, to be maybe there wouldn't be much time uh, for for that at all. But if you're someone who lives in market, right, where you play, if any of those guys live, have, you know, decided to put their families in Toronto, well, they're not going to be able to see them for the length of this season. That's a lot to ask. Like, now, I think that anybody who would have opted out because of that would have already done it, but... It just made me wonder if that was going to be able to, you know, if it would have pushed anybody to maybe saying, listen, I'm not going to come. The thing that I have absolutely no grasp of is, like, should this team's win total be adjusted because they're not going to get any home games now? I, I I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a valid point. And yet another thing to add to the uncertainty, add to the variance of this season, you know. 
Kev, that's the, that's the information, right? People can use that and lean either way. I've heard people say, oh, yeah, obviously they're not going to have any home games, you know, physical home games. They'll hit in the bottom of the ninth somewhere, sometime in some games, in 30 of the games, in fact, right? But the idea of having that familiarity, being in that home market, sleeping in your own bed, those benefits, we don't know how to quantify. On the other side, though, I've heard that being on the road, it helps the team bonding together, right? They don't have to worry about will call and getting tickets for friends and family. We've heard it play out both ways, but it will be very interesting and something to keep an eye on. Kev, how would you answer the poll? Where do you think the Blue Jays will ultimately be playing their quote-unquote home games this year? Right now, thanks to everybody voting on the poll, at Spit and Speeds, at SportsGrid, at the Kevin Walsh, Buffalo has 50% of the vote. However, Kev, that's not a major league stadium, and I think that's high up on the priority list for the Toronto Blue Jays to be in an actual major league park with major league kind of distances, right, to the fence, major league facilities, that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's why Pittsburgh gets my vote, because as you read what the Blue Jays players have said, that's the main priority for them. It's not proximity, because I don't get I don't know what being a Buffalo really matters to them. If you're not going to go back to Toronto, right, and you're far away from everything else, that's probably actually even worse. They don't want a minor league park because they, as you've mentioned, it's and it's not just, I don't think, at the end of the day, if you play in a sandbox, yeah, the other team will hit home runs, but we'll hit home runs too. Like if all this, you know what would be funny, Dane? Is if they did get put in a little minor league stadium that was considered a real sandbox, if all of a sudden you had to take a look at like Vlad Guerrero to lead Major League Baseball in home runs. Like just something yeah. like quirky like that. But realistically, why Pittsburgh makes sense is they're willing to bring them in, and it gives them what they want the most, which is a major league ballpark. The question that looms with them playing at PNC Park is, how do they figure out the schedule? Surely, surely, the Blue Jays and the Pirates have overlapping home games. Right. What does that mean for the schedule? Because of, you know, protocols, I would be le- I would think it's not in the cards for them to be playing double headers, one of them playing at one and one of them playing at seven. Now maybe one plays at noon and one plays at nine thirty. Maybe I don't like because you're gonna need you know time obviously players like to get to the to the building beforehand. So are they then gonna have to move the whole schedule around for those two ball clubs? And in turn, that means they're gonna have to move the schedule around for literally for not every team in baseball, right? But they're going to have to move around the Central and the East. So the West is fine. Two out of the six will be good. But everybody <laughs> else is going to have some type of movement. And the season starts in two days. Yep, the knee bone's connected to the hip bone, right? All of these things have ripple effects, and they will try to figure it out. And I think you make a good point. The split double headers is interesting, especially in the context of coronavirus where they're going to have to deep clean everything. Kev, you see what they do to the octagon in between fights. They're going to have to do that to locker rooms, the dugouts. It may be too much to handle, but definitely something to keep an eye on, and we'll see what the impact is. Whatever we know what the stadium is, yes, Kev, I would start looking at these over-unders. Yes, Kev, I would start looking at these prop bets. Yes, Kev, I would be starting to look at these young studs in the Blue Jays lineup to see how it may impact them. Another game that's going on tonight 
in uh, in Kansas City as the Houston Astros come to town to take on the Royals. I mentioned this because in the update, Dan Stratford mentioned that Ryan Presley is likely going to be the closer for the Houston Astros, at least at the start of the season. This coming from Dusty Baker um, a little bit earlier on. We heard it from Dan Stratford. I mentioned this. And I think this is important. We talk about the cumulative effects, right, Kevin? We talked about Joe Smith had opted out. Ozuna still not ready in his kind of ramp up coming back from Mexico in quarantine. So it looks like Presley will fill the role right now. But it just makes the Astros pen a little bit thinner at the start. And last time I checked, it's the start of the season where these pitchers may not go seven, eight, nine innings, even if you're Justin Verlander, even if you're Zach Greinke. So they're going to be a little bit thin at the start there in Houston. Absolutely. And that's, it's not ideal, right? Like they, they are going to have to figure out the rotation. One other note from the Astros though, that I do think was important in their game yesterday against the Royals uh, was Lance McCullers was on the mound and he Uh, worked his way back from injury and, they need him. Now, again, replacing Garrett Cole, ha, ha, ha. No, that's ridiculous. That's not a fair ask of anybody. But they need him to be a very solid number three for this baseball team. Five innings, six strikeouts, gave up one earned run. You'll take that. You'll certainly take that if you're the Astros. But Lance McCullers is one of the flip points, if you will, I think, when you go through this division, when you debate back and forth, am I, I going to go Angels? Am I going to go A's? I think how you might view Lance McCullers and his outlook could help you answer that question. All right, fair enough. We will definitely keep an eye. This is what it is. This is the ripple effect, right, Kev? The ripple effect of seeing these injuries or seeing these opt-outs. It's happening in basketball. It's happening in baseball. We see it happening in MLS as well with Martinez being out for Atlanta United or Atlanta FC. There's another game that I think is very interesting. Angels and Dodgers battle of LA, or at least Anaheim close to LA when you're talking about the angels. And I mentioned this because, you know, yesterday we talked about the AL West. We'll talk about the NL West a little bit today, but the new faces in new places are big time here. Yesterday, when we talked about the new faces in this division, the name that came to mind for me was Anthony Rendon, right? NL MVP last year goes into the middle of this Angels lineup with Pujols, with Trout, with Upton, with Otani. But the problem is, Kev, he's got an oblique strain, and Joe Madden has kind of started walking it back on if he'll be ready for opening day. Uh, You know, late last week he was confident, then he was like still out, and now he's like, oh, but he's feeling better. But we still don't know if the reigning National League MVP will be ready for his new team for the Angels, when the season starts, they face off with the Dodgers today. Yeah, and look, Anthony Rendon, you know, now I, it's funny, right? But, like, reigning National League MVP, won a World Series, incredibly important, obviously, to that baseball team, shows up and is now on the same team as Mike Trout. And it's kind of like, yeah. oh, yeah, Anthony Rendon. I mean, Rendon has the fifth best odds to win the MVP in the American League going into this year, Right. Just because Mike Trout is a plus-195 favorite doesn't mean that Anthony Rendon... Like, the reason why anybody would be excited about this Angels team is because now Mike Trout's second-best player is maybe a top-10 player in baseball, right? Like, it's so important. Anthony Rendon missing time. Again, like, and it's just... it all Like, I don't know how you would prorate it, but basically every missed game is like four missed games, right? Under, like, the Two normal circumstances. Right, so it's just two and a half. We'll get me there. Yeah, so three games, call it. Yeah, 
Yeah, but still, that's a lot of games. That's a lot of games. You miss a week. That's, that's a lot of baseball. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're talking about like stints on the IL, for example, can eat up an entire quarter of the season. You know I like this Angels lineup. A part of it is to that point, right? Finally, Trout has other people in this lineup. You know, he's had an Albert Pujols, but on the back half of his career, Otani has been inconsistent. You put Rendon in that middle of that lineup, and it's something that I have been paying attention to. Kevin, we talked a little bit about the AL West before. We'll tie that up when we come back, and we'll also turn our attention and start to look at the NL West. There's pretty some big new faces there in LA as well. We'll talk about it when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to Early Line right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh going around the world of sports. Kevin, we were in the AL West yesterday. I made the point that Rendon may not be ready for opening day. We've talked about the up and down with Trout. You know, I mean, his wife is pregnant. That becomes one of the major issues to know if he's going to be there for the duration. You know, we talked about maybe liking the Oakland A's and their pitching staff. Are we going to fade the Houston Astros? I told you I do like Carlos Correa as a diamond in the rough for me in that lineup across 60 games. You know how much I love Lazardo out there in Oakland. What are some of your best bets? How are you playing the AL West? So I've gone through this this division a bit here, and we, we talked about it yesterday, and I, 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 I see the vision for the A's, and I, and I think the A's hmm. to win this division is very live and, and is something that I'd be willing to bet at plus 230. I think the Angels even have a shot. It's, it's difficult. I was actually um, talking briefly with um, Mike Florio on Twitter. Uh, he was kind of figuring out Trout and how he wants to handle drafting him and you know, with yeah. the impending absence. And he's like, look, he's still so good. Um, you know, he's going to provide so much value. And that kind of made me think how it relates to just, at the end of the day, you know, Mike Trout for 45 games is still better than most of these guys for 60. And they're alive too. But then that means all of a sudden, like, is there are the Astros competing for a wild card spot here? And you got to think mm-hmm. about this, Dean. There's going to be a big team that misses the playoffs. Sure, right. That's just how things go. And I look at the Dodgers, and you know we're, we're going to talk a little on our West, and I look at the Dodgers, and it's not going to be the Dodgers. I mean, it's not going to be the Dodgers. <laughs> Is it going to be the Yankees? I don't know. I mean, Aaron Judge, I think Aaron Judge just hit another home run. I think Aaron Judge just hit another home run, I'm pretty sure. I think that's, I think that's his fourth. The Astros at plus 350 to miss the playoffs. Yeah, listen, I, I understand that there's still a lot to like about this team, but we, mm-hmm. every single day we talk about another guy from the bullpen that's missing. They, they lost the reigning Cy Young and did nothing to replace him other than hoping that Lance McCullers is healthy. And still, that's obviously not an adequate replacement for the reigning Cy Young. And you look through the lineup, and again, is there going to be regression because they're not cheating anymore? I'm not sure. But 
maybe some guys peel back a little bit because also we've talked a lot about how like difficult the road environment would, would be for them, but their home right. environment would have been a blessing because that fan base has opted to back them and support them right. in every like way. Barry Bonds in San Francisco, right? <laughs> and that's and that's pulled back at plus three fifty because I see the A's as live because I see the Angels as live, mm. and we view the the Rays as a really, really strong shot to eat up one of those wild card spots. And because the Central has a good shot right. at providing a wild card team because they can pick on, you know, the Tigers and the Royals, especially the AL Central team, because they're going to get so many cracks at them. Plus 350, Dane, Astros to miss the playoffs. I like the bet. That's interesting. I like that you are taking a stand. Bang, bang, bang. Garbage cans <laughs> be damned. But you're right. And I'm afraid for the Yankees for some of the similar reasons. You say, I think the sure. Central will beat each other up a little bit and gets play. Like we've always said, the Pirates, the Tigers, the Royals. Meanwhile, in the East, the Yankees and Rays will have to deal with those four contenders in the NL East. So it could be a difficult road to hoe. I like the A's. I like the Angels as well. We will see if Houston can keep it going. They are certainly talented. I think they're going to go, to be honest, as far as their, you know, Two starters who are in their late 30s, Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke, can take them. As we go to the ML West, though, Kev, you mentioned this. There's another big-time new face in a big-time new place. That's where I want to start when the ML West Mookie Betts got traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers from the Boston Red Sox. How does he move the needle in what is an already stacked lineup? Now, Kevin, we know David Price was part of that trade, but he has since opted out of the 2020 season. What do you think this is for bets, though, Kevin? New team, new league, new pitchers, and he doesn't even really have an opportunity to meet his new compadres. Yeah, but it looks like he's adjusted. I mean, he he's had a Mookie. home run last <laughs> night. Like, Mookie Betts is one of the five best players in baseball, and he's going to be fantastic for this team. Like, the th here's So here's the perspective for them. Last year, this team won the division by 21 games, right? Yeah. So, you know, I was, you know, you're reading through the research, and you always try and find some, some interesting nuggets that might pop out to you. So the Diamondbacks were the team that were, you know, lucky enough to be 21 games behind them last year in second place. 60-game stretch. Oh, maybe anything can happen. Last year... The Diamondbacks' best 60-game stretch, 34-26. and 26. That's fine. It's good. You might think that can win a division. The Dodgers' worst 60-game stretch, worst, 35-25. and 25. That's a joke. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a joke. Like, that is they, – and they got better because they added Mookie Betts. I don't care what – don't tell me anything else that happened. They added Mookie Betts. Now, the Diamondbacks got better, too. And we were talking about the Diamondbacks. I think, I think they could potentially find themselves in the playoffs. But – this team is minus 500 to win their division. And I can't yep. tell you to chase six to one plus 750 on the Padres. I can't tell you to chase it because I don't think it's going to happen. They're a justified minus 500 favorite. They are loaded. They absolutely are loaded. You mentioned them at minus 500 to win the division. They're also prohibitive favorites, Kev, to win the NL pennant. 
right? At plus yeah. 160, the Braves are the second choice at 7-1, to one, a huge gap, at least in the AL, right? you got the Yankees and the Astros. I am intrigued by some of these other teams, though. You mentioned the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are the second choice in this division at 6-1, to one, but I got to tell you something, Kev, and you know where I'm going. I'm on this third team in the division, the San Diego Padres at plus 750. They just announced that Chris Paddock, will be their opening day starter. I think he's got a lot, especially if there's no innings limit. He's the prototypical case for no innings limit, in my opinion. The dude was dominant over his first 10 starts as a rookie last year. We'll see if he can kind of, you know, empty out the tank in the same way. They also, Kev, about the Padres I'm talking about, they traded for Tommy Pham. And I think that's actually an under-the-radar move that adds yet another hitter to this lineup. Their offense is stacked, in my opinion. Um, Kev, you know, you start with Manny Machado at third. Fernando, show me your Tatis Jr. at short. You know what Tommy Pham can do. They have other guys like Hosmer, Will Myers, you know, even a guy like Profar. This offense is a, an above average one, I believe, in the National League. You know about, you know, you know about Paddock. Other guys like Richards, Lucchese, I think Nelson Lament can strike out the world. They've made trades for the bullpen. If you look at Arizona versus San Diego, I'm personally going to ride with the Padres. I think that they're, they're the kind of young team that could take this step forward in a very unique season. Why do you like Arizona? Because I like both of them, actually. I, I was pretty, like, it, I, if they could be in the division with anybody else than the Dodgers. <laughs> Like, I would be saying bet, bet, bet on these teams. And I think, you know, we can look at the playoff yes-no market. But to, and to expand on the Padres, you know, one of the more interesting things that I saw with this team is they were 45-45 and 45 at the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Now, they had, a, they had a very, very bad, you know, second half of the season. Paddock faced Tatis you know, Jr. got hurt. Right. And, like, so if you think about it, right, if they're able to be, you know, playing – 500 baseball last year, they have a chance mm-hmm. to get better because Fernando Tatis should only be better. And you can honestly say across the board, Machado, Hosmer, and Will Myers all had down years. And based on their age, I, I don't think we're necess- it's necessary to say, oh, these guys are going to decline. They, they, their best baseball is behind them. To where even if two of the three can take considerable leaps forward, as That's you fair. mentioned, Tommy Pham, there's a lot to like with this lineup, right? And then again, you talk about the rotation. I agree. I think Chris Paddock is somebody that we should talk more about when it comes to the Cy Young race. Garrett Richards is a solid number two. Zach Davis is a solid number three. And then if Mackenzie Gore does pop That's right. the way, the That's way people the name think we he need might, to talk about. I mean, Dane, there's a lot to like here with this Padres team. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and I wanted to mention. Mackenzie Gore, right? This is a stud. And here's the thing, Kev. We've talked about this in every single sport. Is this not the year to bring up the kids and see what you got? Is this not the year to let it go? We don't even know what the service time is going to look like. And Mackenzie Gore, the former number one overall prospect, number one overall pick, he is, Kev, the tied for the fifth choice to win the NL Rookie of the Year along with Dustin May, who's, you know, a kid for the Dodgers rotation that may come up. Yes, Mackenzie Gore could mean a lot for this squad. I look at their win totals. They have the Padres, 30 and a half. 
just over 500. The Arizona Diamondbacks, 31 and a half. So these guys are separated by just a little bit. Talk to me about, I'm all over San Diego, but tell me about Arizona. Listen, first of all, they've got an MVP candidate in there and someone who probably should be higher up the NL ranks than he is. Um, Ketel Marte was Marte, fantastic yeah. Under the radar. for this team last year. Like, like finished fourth in MVP voting last year in the NL. I mean, he was out of this world. Like, he's only 26. He hit 329, 32 homers. Like, he, he was tremendous for this team. And they basically said, let's double down. They brought the other Marte in. No relation, <laughs> but they bring Sterling Marte in. And they've got a very formidable top of the lineup. And the rotation is pretty interesting. But the big name there, you talk about new faces, new place. It's funny because, you know, the Diamondbacks were more recently on my mind than the Dodgers. When you were starting, I was like, oh, I know where he's going. Now, Mookie Betts obviously matters more. But Madison Bumgarner stayed in the division but is now with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And here's the thing with this Diamondbacks team. If they get a wild card spot, no matter who they're playing, you're gonna be you're gonna be really thinking about it. Now, listen, there's a right. lot of top aces out there in the NL, right? Like if they come right. up against the Mets, let's take up the Grom, right? They come up against the Padres, as you mentioned. Chris Paddock is no joke, but nobody has Madison Baumgartner's playoff pedigree. And maybe those days are behind him, but nobody has that give him the ball. Like it's just it's unparalleled in baseball right. to me. What we saw him do for those Giants teams. I think there's a lot to be excited about with the Padres. But again, this is a team last year that found that they were they were just they were good across the board, right? They kind they kind of did a bit of everything. Like if you look at it through war, right? Last year some of their ranks, they were 13th in hitting war, 5th in fielding, 1st in base running, rotation mm-hmm. came 13th, bullpen came 14th. Like they were, you know, average to above average across the board and they've gotten themselves a little bit better. Again, the struggle here is I can't talk myself into them winning a division, which then is always kind of a difficult jumping off point when you go, your ceiling is a wild card spot. But if there was one team to be okay with that, it's the team that has Madison Baumgartner as their lead guy. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, their rotation is stocked. You know, Mad Bum is there. Robbie Ray will strike out. In a full season, 220 guys. And Zach Gallen is a young stud that a lot of people believe can take a step yes. forward. And you know, I always look at the top three of the rotation, and Arizona does have that. The Giants, however, don't have much, right? They are 75 to 1 to win their division, and they will be without their captain and face of the franchise, Buster Posey, for the 2020 season. When we come back, we check in on our poll and we have a little bit of time with Jared to find out what's going on in the morning after. Vote on the poll and we'll check in on the results right after this. The early line comes back after this break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. (laughs) 
Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. My guy, Kevin Walsh, had the stones to bet against the Astros in the AL West, but not to go against the Dodgers in the NL West. Arizona, we think is interesting. The Padres, we think are interesting. We also have an interesting poll question up right now about the Toronto Blue Jays, who aren't going to be playing in Toronto because the country of Canada wants no part of Americans. And quite frankly, I can't blame them. In a couple of minutes, though, we have the morning after, you know, we pass the baton to them and we've got our guy, Jared Smith, with us right now. Jared, it's very interesting. We've been talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. Where will they play? Will it be a major league stadium? Does it have any impact on some of the young studs in their lineup? If they play in a minor league ballpark, might Vladdy Jr. go off for 20 home <laughs> runs? Does that impact it? We got a poll question up, Jared. Where will the Blue Jays play? Our options are Pittsburgh. We've heard of PNC, the city of Buffalo, one of the minor league parks, maybe all road games. What do you think is going to happen here with the Blue Jays? Well, it's actually funny. I just saw a Baseball America tweet that said none, zero of the minor league ballparks meet the lighting standards of a major ah. league state. And that is a big key factor in determining where they play. I mean, it's a safety thing, Dane. I mean, these guys lose balls in the lights even yeah, when the, the facilities, lights are good. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so I think that will deter them uh, from playing in Buffalo. I think Pittsburgh makes sense. Think about it. They're in different divisions. They're not playing any of the same teams. So you would think that they'd be able to have games at staggered times. You wouldn't have to worry about the Pirates also playing the Blue Jays on the same day. The Blue mm -hmm. Jays have to play the Red Sox or you know whoever. So I think you can stagger it at the right time. And, and let's be frank, 60 games, these stadiums, there's only going to be 30 games at PNC Park this year. These games are used to hosting 81 games over the course of the season. So I don't think having yeah. an extra 30 is going to be the, the upset of the apple cart. So I think Pittsburgh makes sense. I think they'll choose a major league city. We shall see. Hopefully they do, because, listen, there's only a couple of days left and only a minute yeah. left until the morning after. Up next. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.